and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. In a short while, I'll be launching the inaugural Landscape Photography World Awards, searching for the best landscape photography out there and showing it off to the world. I won't be saying too much more at this point as there's still some details to sort out, but I've lined up some very well-respected judges and prizes that will be well worth the cost of entry. This is by way of a celebration of the first year of the podcast. I'm very happy to say the podcast audience is growing and I'd like to thank everyone who listens and follows Landscape Photography World on social media. It's wonderful seeing feedback from many of you and how much you're enjoying these conversations. Anyway, on with the show. This week I'm talking to Santiago Gonzalez Redondo about his amazing landscape photography and videography. Santiago is a photographer, filmmaker and content creator based in Melbourne, Australia. His work is recognised by its inspirational storytelling and connections with the viewer on a deeper and meaningful level. His vast background and knowledge of the tourism industry starting in Argentina and migrating to Australia has sparked his passion for travel and outdoors photography. Having the pleasure to work with international resorts and having his work featured by worldwide magazines and institutions. His work also spans across commercial and real estate projects. Santiago is a firm believer that kindness, integrity and sustainability are values to generate a positive impact in the world and build meaningful relationships with ourselves and others. We discuss his work and motivations, changes in the way that he sees the world since starting photography and a whole lot more. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Santiago. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you going? Hey, Grant. How's it going? Uh, glad to be here and everything's all right. What about you? Yeah, thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to me. It's uh, awesome to finally get to sit down and, and have a chat to you. You've been on my list for a little while and uh, I know there's uh, been a few other people in comments, etc., on on the podcast that have uh, asked, asked me to talk to you. So, um, you know, I'm glad you finally uh, got to the top of the pile. As a, there's a very long list of, of people to talk to, but um, you know, why don't we start with how you got started in photography? Yeah, sure. Um, well, as I said before, it's been a pleasure to be here. Uh, there's a bunch of talented people, not only in Australia, but also like uh, sharing the the community that we share on Twitter. Myself, I started with photography for the very first time uh, while I was working as a tour guide in in Patagonia, in Argentina. Uh, so I worked in the tourism industry for almost 10 years. Um, I was really lucky to uh, get paid to go and see some of the most beautiful places back in back in Patagonia, from uh, El Calafate towards El Paine and so on. So one of my trips, I decided to, to purchase my first camera. Uh, if I remember well, it was uh, a Nikon or a Nikon. Um, had no much idea how to use it at the time. And I still have some of those images, which unfortunately they're JPEGs. I think we all have those stories <laughs> that I got some pictures from the really great places. Not only that they weren't probably the most aesthetically pleasant from composition, but also they're JPEGs. So if, you, if I want to go back into them and re-edit them, there's not much uh, space to play around. Yeah, not uh, much stretching you can do to it. Yeah, but definitely some of the, the fondest memories because I think we get to see how we all start with photography, which is like taking probably pictures from like plants, flowers, or, or I think that was my case because I was a bit more like an introverted. I didn't want to uh, bother that much other people. So what uh, is it that you're chasing, I guess, most in your photography? What are you What are you looking to achieve with it? I think it, that evolves quite, quite often. Uh, I consider myself someone who gets bored quite easily of doing the same mm-hmm. with its pros and, and cons. I think at the moment I got two different uh, paths that I like to pursue. Uh, one is strictly related to my ideal photography, which is trying to experiment with like people, uh, how to get like top-down views of things they haven't seen or they haven't been showcased before. Um, that's something I'm working quite at the moment with like uh, our athletes and performers. We're collaborating together 
um, I'm trying to get to show them from from a top down view. Okay. Uh, and I really enjoy it. Um, on the other side, uh, I'm a big lover of like landscape photography, same mm -hmm. as you. Um, it's something that I like to to wake up for sunrise whenever I can. Um, and also I'm trying to find a way to involve more subjects into the pictures and try to to tell a story through through a still image, which sometimes is not as easy if you compare to video. Uh, yeah, yeah. But that's something I like to like put myself out of the comfort zone, and I think directing people is something that uh, I haven't experimented as much uh, until last year. Uh, it's something that I really enjoy to to work with others. Yeah, cool. And have you tried to? Uh, I guess. Um, sorry, I'm going to uh, change that slightly. <laughs> Do you find the? Uh, you know, drive to make something distinctive and unique is sort of like one of the main things behind what you're trying to do, or are you trying to copy a particular style and, you know, sort of hone that to then develop your own style? Yeah, I believe like trying at least to do something unique, something that really resonates with yourself is the path to, to success. And I don't mean success in a financial way. I mean, like success in like being fulfilling uh, to show that to other people, to friends and family. And like, it doesn't matter what I think, if you like that, uh, the idea, I think that's, that's already a win. Mm -hmm. Um, we all probably start the same way. You know, we, we have other photographers we look up to, uh, we really like their work and we might try to imitate either their color palette or the composition. But I think after a while, I think you have to feel confident enough to, pursue what you like and and to just trust your gut and and yeah that's something i've been trying to to do a lot and especially with my ideal photography because i think there's a lot of like space to to play around and many ways to um to to stand out or to try to to differentiate your yourself sure sure and in terms of what what you said about success i mean are you you said it doesn't mean uh, a great value for uh, sorry a great deal to you from a commercial perspective um are you trying are you looking to uh make money out of photography or is it more uh on the hobby side of things and you know you're just sort of doing it as a I guess I don't want to call it just a form of entertainment because it's obviously more than that. But, uh, you know, is it is it something that is more of a hobby or something that's more of a profession for you? Yeah, I, I've been lucky enough to turn my, my hobby into a career uh, around seven months ago, mm -hmm. um, which started freelancing. Um, I do not only work with photography, I work mainly with video when it comes to, to client work. Um, and that's something that I never expected, but I believe for someone who wants to get into and create a pursue link to photography, I can't recommend enough to, to try some video because there's another kind of service that you can offer and our way to, to stand out from the crowd. Um, and personally, I find it like it, there's a greater way to, to share a story with video, mm -hmm. whereas with images, you still can. Uh, but I think you're a bit more limited. Yeah, sure. Okay. I guess in terms of that limitation um, and, you know, the, the differences, I guess, in terms of uh, the time it takes for setting up shots, the time it takes for editing, etc. do you find that, you know, video is soaking up much more of your time than uh, it would from a, a stills photography perspective or... Is it still kind of 50-50? Um, I think it's not up to video or to photo. It's more up if it's client work or not. Uh, I find myself lately having less time to uh, have one or two hours to edit some of the images that I have sitting on my hard drive for a while, yeah. um, which is something I try to do at least twice every, every second day. But I wish I could have like two hours every single day to kind of like sit down, find a picture, which probably have like heaps of them that I haven't touched yet. Yep. Um, and spend like hours trying like new techniques or like fine tuning colors. Um, but yeah, um, I kind of like miss those moments when it's just, just a hobby that you actually have the time to do that without any pressure. It's just like your own pressure to, to get the colors or to get a, the kind of picture that you like. 
Uh, whereas the moment I'm trying to to juggle between uh, editing as much commercial work, but also having that time to to edit for myself, and because I really appreciate and I really really enjoy it. Yeah, sure. What are you What are you trying to communicate with your photography? Um, I guess what are the things that you're trying to uh, express through your personal photography? Probably through my photography, I would say I consider myself mainly a a landscape travel slash outdoor photographer. So <laughs> I want to encourage other people to to go out, to explore, to take like those extra half an hour, 45 minutes when you go somewhere to to really soak up the whole experience. And if you want to document that, just go do it. Doesn't matter if it's with a phone, if it's with a camera, if it's with a drone. Uh, I think most of most of the people they want to document moments, but not many they want to take their time to to do so or they maybe they don't they don't want to take the chance. Then when it comes to my video, I think that's when it comes like the stronger message to me. I want to get people to really feel like adventurous to to really yeah, to really feel like nothing is like out of our achievement that like, I think like everyone has like things they they try to pursue and maybe because of the everyday life we don't do it. And yeah. those are mainly the messages that I want to share through video. And I think uh, that's where I find the space and the time to to get like a more meaningful message. Yeah, got it. So it's, I, I guess, more that uh, experience and, you know, the, the, the feeling of being there is, is what you're sort of driving at, yeah? Yeah, and I think it comes as well to like the they were feeling kind of like forever young you know like it doesn't matter how old we are like mm -hmm. um i started a new career like with 30s and like back at the time i thought okay at my 30s i would have had like this this and that where i should be this certain way and then i realized it's never too late to like try something new it's never too late to start a new career to start a new relationship um i think those are the the kind of like myth uh that i want to to break um, because I have like those limiting beliefs myself and I want to share it to others in case they're, they're experiencing, experiencing the same. Yeah, sure. So where are your favorite, uh, locations to shoot? Um, here in Victoria, the, the Black Spore, uh, mm -hmm. in the Yarra Valley. Uh, every time I go there, my girlfriend, she's like, okay, you're going there again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how, how many times have you been there? And at sunrise, so you're going to wake up at 5 a.m. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think I go there at least like once once a month. Okay. Because um, we always get like different conditions, like either more sunny or be more foggy. Yeah. And yeah. actually the last time I went there, which was like two weeks ago, it was mind blowing. Best conditions I ever had. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. So what what is it for those that don't know Blackspur? I I I've driven it myself and uh unfortunately uh I was passing through and couldn't uh stop to take the time to take any photos myself. But for people that are unfamiliar with the area, um, do you want to give them a bit of a description about what the what the Black Spur is all about? Yeah, um the Black Spur Drive is in the Yarra Ranges, which is a, a forest in the I think it's like an hour and a half away from from Melbourne on the yeah, northeast. Northeast, roughly, yeah. Yeah, um, it's a winding road which, like, you have like two ways of like towering trees, like planking right next to the road. Mm. Um, you can take like an ED tour and find your way through the trees, and you end up in a really small, beautiful road covered with fog and like with the first rays of rays of sun like hitting uh, through the trees and and it. It's beautiful, yeah. Um, there's a there's this sense of like stillness and and calm that like it's, it's wonderful. Apart from all the photographers that are there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been lucky. Maybe I'm going to the to the wrong spot. But every time or or there, maybe the right spots. Yeah. yeah, it could be. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I went with Chester C shots. I went with Tom Kwan a few times. Um, actually, last time we went together it was peace and rain. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Apart from that, I haven't encountered as many other people shooting on a Sunday morning. Okay. So, talk, talking about that, I mean, obviously, that environmental, uh, I guess, aspect to your work is quite important. Um, what What does the environment mean to you, and uh, you know, what What is it that makes you want to uh, capture it? We we live in such a 
beautiful war, we, which is a, a cliche at this point, but we give so many things for granted, you know? I don't know, it's just like the seasons itself, you know, we go from winter to summer, to spring, like the, the moon phases. And I think there we are so connected to the universe and to nature, which it will it's only just fair to like kind of like pay tribute to that and try to to share it and to uh promote a way that people they can go out, explore it in a sustainable way. Mm. And that also comes to my time working in the tourism industry. I always wanted to promote a sort of tourism that really creates an impact in the local community. Yep. Uh, I don't want to be a traveler that goes to Egypt and goes to McDonald's. You know, I want to go to Egypt. Yeah, sure. I want to go and uh, support the small business that sells the local food. I think, yeah, it, it's, it's always good to try to like, encourage people to have the same practices. Then each to their own. You're free to to do what you what you feel like. But there are so many minorities in the world that they need support and they're also really connected to their environment. We, that we had a chance to travel and to promote it, I think we, we should do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you there. I, I think it's really important when you're uh, visiting another country in particular, um, but even, you know, local communities, you know, in, in your own country that uh, you're supporting the local businesses, you know, supporting the multinationals, they get enough money and support now, um, you know, far better to to go and buy a pie at the local pie shop than it is to go to McDonald's, as you said, you know. <laughs> well, you know, 7-Eleven comes handy every now and then. Oh, yeah, now I, I try to avoid it if I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you, I hear you. So, you know, I guess starting out in uh, Argentina, um, why don't you talk a little bit about how that, you know, um, sort of career choice came about first off getting into tourism and uh, tour guiding and, uh, you know, give us a, a bit of a flavour of some of the experiences that you've had over there. Yeah. Um, well, that was a while ago. Um, yeah, I finished high school and uh, I think pretty much like everyone, I had no idea what to do. I was like enough to speak German and a little bit of English at the time because I went to, to a German school. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, he said, hey, you like to travel, um, you like to talk as well, so you can go and work uh, as a tour guide. I'm studying the same. He was like two years older than me. Yep. So I, yeah, I just got it. I went to study there. Then I feel like I was getting to know like some hidden spots of Buenos Aires, uh, which is my hometown. Mm-hmm. And then I had a chance to go show that to people coming from Germany, uh, Austria and other places. And then... Uh, I went all in. I applied to work for a German company that they used to run expeditions in in Patagonia. Okay. So I used to go pick the crew at the airport. Then we used to travel for two weeks around Patagonia, Chile, and Argentina at the same time. And that was to me mind blowing. I think I was like 20, 21. I was, uh, of course, under on charge of like a group of 15 people, but we we're going to some of the greatest places in Argentina that even I at the time, I had no idea they existed. Yeah. Uh, massive glaciers. Uh, we're doing like hiking routes in, in Torres del Paine. And probably at the time, I didn't enjoy it as much as I would probably right now. Um, as I said, we usually give for granted so many things. But the fact that I had the freedom and the chance to get paid to travel and to see those places, uh, it was uh, a one-of-a-kind experience. Yeah, amazing. In terms of, you know, taking that, career step i guess you know you obviously came over here to australia you know what what made you come to australia and you know talk to us a little bit about that and then i'd also like to you know uh talk to you a little bit about your decision to go full-time photography and you know how that came about and what sort of drove that uh that decision i ended up in australia also thanks to to a friend of mine uh, anyways, uh, I was really into traveling at the time. Uh, after traveling to Patagonia, I went to live in France for almost two years, mm-hmm. uh, backpacking in Europe for another six months. And when I came back to Argentina, I knew I was just going to stay there for maybe like half a year or like a full year, but I already had a mind where to go next. So New Zealand was on top of my list. But I came back home, I met a friend of mine who was in New Zealand, and then he went for a few months to Australia. And he was going back on a working holiday visa. So he told me, hey, Sandy, just get a working holiday visa. We go there together, we travel, and the rest is history. 
So yeah. I came here. I already had a mind that I didn't want to work in the tourism industry. I was a little bit burned out from, from the customer service perspective. Sure. Uh, and I knew I liked photography, but I wasn't taking it as a, as a career choice at the time. So it mm. was like uh, six years ago. So it's yep. been quite a ride. Um, so yeah, I came here as every backpacker, um, got a job in a restaurant. I think I work in construction a little bit. I work a bit in the tourism industry up in Cairns. And then when I came back to Melbourne after traveling in Southeast Asia, because I took six months off to, to travel there, then I knew that photography was really itching and it was something else because I spent every single day in Southeast Asia just taking pictures. Yeah, right. It was probably one of the first times in my life, which I had like any commitments, no financial pressure. Um, I found myself like carrying my camera. It was a, just a Canon with an nifty 50, but I was yeah, taking yeah. my portrait, landscape, uh, any sort of picture with that. And then when I came back, I decided I wanted, I wanted to give it a go. Well, I wanted to explore a bit more with, with my photography. Yeah, okay. So how hard was it, I guess, to make that decision to go full-time photography? Was it, was, was it just natural and, and it felt like the right thing to do or was it a harder decision? I think it was slowly taking shape. Um, when I came back, I knew I had still like a, a good fur to, to go about like learning, not only about like camera settings, but also about like composition, lighting, which I think is something that not many people take into consideration, but they're like light is probably the, the key feature to, to photography. So I was taking some small gigs for friends of mine, uh, um, stuff like that. And it was beginning of 2020, which I felt confident that I wanted to pursue full time. Uh, but then COVID happens. Um, so yeah, that year and a half, it was probably the best time to start a new career. I was lucky enough that I had a job which I could still work uh, for that year and a half. But same, every single day coming back home uh, without having like any noise or distraction from the outside world, I really polished my editing skills, business skills, because I wanted to be ready for when things get back to normal to actually present myself as a professional. Because mm -hmm. um, I think that's one of the, the main obstacles for, for photographers or artists just starting. You need to learn all the business skills that probably most of us, we lack until mm -hmm. we we come across those obstacles. Yeah. It's something uh, that, you know, um, I, I myself am, am sort of struggling with, but also, you know, I, I hear a lot from full-time photographers is balancing that time between the, the admin, the marketing, the you know the, the the product creation itself and the passion itself for photography and uh, I guess I'm I'm interested in how people juggle those you know as, aspects of working in the industry and how they you know get that you know I, I guess how do you get that balance right and uh, what what sort of tricks and uh, traps have you uh, identified along the way. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, like balance is more like a utopia. We, we try to, to achieve it. And it, it's, I think in every single aspect in life. Um, but yeah, I think it's about like prioritizing what's most important in, in your list. Uh, mm -hmm. If I could, I would spend like 24 seven, just editing drum pictures, you know, like yeah. I would probably that I'll be every single day, but that wouldn't take me really far from a business perspective. Um, so so yeah um i think it's that basically i have like I, I try to be like healthy habits in terms of like what time do i wake up uh what task do i do in the morning or in the afternoon according to my internal clocks some people are more yeah. like night owls uh some other ones like me i'm an early riser uh, i don't feel that creative at, at night because i already feel like a bit like tired or overwhelmed sure. uh and then on the other side, on the other side, I think it's like building pitch decks or building presentations for customers or learning how to do cold calls or learning how to send a few emails or how to network. Those are all things that you can find them on manuals or you can learn from other people. But at the same time, 
we all go through different like experiences and like i think like when you're just starting out like for example like myself uh, every single step of the business is a lesson you know you might have like a bad experience with a customer that's a lesson you might have a really good one that's always a lesson i think that's the best approach to always have a few takeaways uh, from from your jobs Mm, totally agree it's the same for me you know when it comes you know people ask me about you know photography and learning photography etc you know i've i've had a, a few clients on workshops and so forth ask me you know so you know how, how do you get to a point where you feel comfortable and i said well don't don't ever aspire to get comfortable because if you're not learning all the time then you know you might as well give up doing it because for me it's it's really important you know both from the business but also from the the actual photographic um, perspective to you know keep that learning keep that open mind and keep that learning uh philosophy i guess um you know going the 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 whole time and and not just sort of say all right well i've made it i can be you know i can be comfortable i can sit back and call myself an expert photographer and you know expert businessman etc <laughs> yeah and also the the fact that every single uh niche of photography is completely different you know there are Absolutely. some different techniques to apply from portraits to landscape to interior photographer and um when you're freelancing and i try to niche down to a few industry but like sometimes i get like some gigs that probably i never expected but if I really feel them they're like a challenge, uh, I'll be happy to to take on those. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's exactly the, the the right attitude, I think. Um, I guess what's the most important thing you think to remember about marketing both your personal brand but also your business's brand? From a, a personal brand, um I think it is important sometimes to to niche down a little bit, uh, to people to recognize you by not just by a genre but i more for like a a way of uh people they see your pictures and they don't have to read the the name yeah um, this is something that first people that comes to my mind and, and i really admire it's like mary watson you know i can yep. go see her picture in like any travel blog or like in any website and i and i see those pictures and i know because of the tones and like the the dreamy vibes that's her signature so i think once you achieve that from a personal brand in the photography space, mm-hmm. that's already a great step, you know, because um, you you have created something unique that that sets you apart from the rest. Yeah. Um, then, from a business perspective, um, then I think it's important to learn how you want to tackle it. If you want to tackle as a freelancer, if you want to tackle as a company, and I think those are two different ways to to pursue um to me at the moment i feel really confident working as a freelancer or networking with others mm-hmm. um which goes really linked to my personal brand so uh everything i do is under my name to under my creative direction uh realm yeah uh, but probably working as a company in the future is something i don't don't discard either yeah cool um I guess what what about the aspects of having different income streams you know so diversifying you know not just your your portfolio of work so people can see okay well you can do interior photography you can do portraits etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, but I'm I'm talking about actually the, the the business structural side of things how do you go about that you know diversification of uh, income streams itself it is a great topic to, to touch on. I think it's very important through COVID, whether you are a photographer or not, like I think most of the people they were affected at some point with their income mm-hmm. and the ones they have been less effective were the ones they actually had several uh, streams of income. Uh, as a creator, I think there there's many. Um, they don't happen overnight. It's the same as building a style or like becoming yep. a good photographer. It's something that takes time. So. I can mention like for people listening, I can mention, I don't know, like uh, stock footage, uh, licensing footage, prints, uh, digital products, uh, influencer, but there are so many 
that I think like it's important when you're starting to just pick a few uh, and to commit to those for like a decent amount of time because otherwise you're going to do like, okay, like writing a blog could be good. So you're going to try a blog for one, two months, it won't work out. Then you're going to jump into something else. And if you give something like a short period of time, it won't work out. So um, I think nowadays when there's so much information going around, the hardest part is to cut all the noise and to really ask yourself, okay, which are the things that I can see myself doing for a long time without expecting any immediate financial uh, reward? Sure. Um, sure. Those one, two, or three, uh, those are the ones to, to tackle on. Yeah, perfect. That's great advice. Thanks, mate. Um, in terms of... Uh, the pandemic, I guess, has that changed your attitude towards photography in general? Uh, has it changed your attitude towards how the, the, the business structure should work? Towards photography, I, I think towards life, it made me appreciate it even more. It made me appreciate even more photography as well, because for a long time, we weren't able to travel for more than five Ks and to go and photograph uh, a new yeah. landscape or to have a new experience. Um, let's not even talk about like international travel. So I think if the pandemic hasn't changed the way you see your life, that's already, <laughs> that's a little bit weird. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> um, then when it comes to business, um, I think it really made me realize even more how things are, are becoming digital and how less important it is to have like a physical shop or like a physical store that you can definitely make uh, a living just by working online. Uh, yeah. And even like big businesses have been moving to just like uh, e-commerce or to more like digital presence. Um, so it's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, and that comes to like diversifying your income. Uh, most of the ones we, most of the examples I was pointing out before most of them you can do them online you know just by setting up a print store or by like coming up with like digital products which they could be related to not or not to photography but once you have a personal brand you have the audience to to want to create something that resonates with you absolutely yeah um in terms of your personal photography moving away from the the business side a little bit um are you doing a lot of planning for your, your shoots or is it you know on the spur of the moment that you go to black spur you know you just say all right this morning looks good the forecast last night sounded nice Let, let's go or or is it more planned and more uh in, you know do you do it more with intent um it it varies um probably lately more planning uh just because um I was working on on a video to deliver to to DJI, and that was one of the reasons why I went to the Black Sport. So I wanted to touch on different spots in Victoria. Yep. I only have like a two weeks uh, deadline to uh, get the content, edit, and deliver. So those fourteen days, they were really planned out to go to Grampians, go to Black Sport. Um, I didn't plan as much what to get there because I only wanted to get the environment and the atmosphere from that place. I knew by flying a drone at golden hour, I was definitely going to get something valuable to show the, to highlight the, the beauty of the place. Um, then on, on what I'm working on with like performers and athletes, uh, that's definitely plan out. Um, I have like mood boards or ideas on mine uh, that I like how they look all together. So whenever I go with like a basketball player or like a ballet dancer, um i know we don't have that much time uh so those 30 35 minutes we get with like each battery uh i want to experiment as much as possible with their silhouettes with shapes and with different stuff um sometimes the reason the vision comes really into life the same way some other times i actually ended up shooting something completely unexpected mm -hmm. but it look even better than what i had on mine uh, but it's good to have a plan and then it's also good to have the flexibility to to adapt yeah absolutely absolutely what's your most uh memorable experience that you've had out shooting well uh, i will probably say in vietnam in, in southeast asia uh and i was just really my first stage getting into photography 
and it was that time when I was shooting everything with an fifty fifty, as I told you. Yeah. But we're motorcycling for a week in Hajiang, which is a, a northern region in Vietnam. It, that place was so untouched at the moment. Like you could tell like the surprise from the local that just by watching us. Yeah. They haven't seen that many tourists in a long time. Mm. And everything felt so so raw, so natural. Like I could see people like crossing the, the unofficial border from China to Vietnam, which for them, there wasn't even a border. It was just like the town next door, but they went to shop to the other town because it was slightly cheaper, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you get to see that broken fence uh, and people going through there. And to me, it was like mind-blowing. I, I actually couldn't believe what I was. Uh, it, and to me, to document all that, it really, it really has no value. Like I see those pictures, those images, and yeah, they do tell a story to me. And also they tell a story of like a stage of my life, which I was really discovering myself mm -hmm. by discovering other cultures and documenting them. So it was a, a nice blend. Fantastic. <laughs> what about some horror stories? There surely must be uh, something that, that's memorable that uh, you didn't like. Oh, every time I, I crash a, a drone, <laughs> <laughs> which I had, I'm told I had like three or four of those. Um, yeah, one was, uh, we're doing a, a photo shoot, uh, with a, with a tennis, uh, a tennis theme. Mm -hmm. Um, I had this amazing idea to like, just get a, a top down view from the tennis player. Um, there was only one tree, I think coming out from one of the corners, like a really minor one. And I didn't pay any attention at all. I know I, I, I gave for granted we were in, in an open space. And uh, whenever I just like took off, uh, I didn't pay much attention. Then I saw my drone just like hanging on top of the tree and then it fell off. I was really close to get it um, and I couldn't. And I didn't have any insurance at the moment. So that's something I, I would like to recommend to other fellow droners. Like if you have like an expensive one, just get insurance. Can you get in, can you get insurance for it falling out of the sky? Because I've I've heard it's a fairly regular occurrence. <laughs> yeah, well, there's always like a blurry line, but you know, if you got insurance either from the brand that makes the drones, we don't yeah, want to do free marketing, uh, or maybe like a, an insurance for all for all your gear. Um, that's important because you know it's yeah, absolutely really valuable. Absolutely. What have you learned about the world through photography? The, the what, sorry? What have you learned about the world through photography? Um, that we, we're all different, but at the end we're all the same. Like we, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter our language or it doesn't matter where we come from. Like uh, sometimes a, a simple gesture, like uh, eye contact or, or a smile, that really makes a whole difference. Um, and I think it's really important to to be kind. Uh, we tend to be a bit kinder when we travel because we're in a in a good mood and we want to like uh, explore every single corner and connect with people. But that's something we can definitely apply on a daily basis in your hometown or at your workspace. And and yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I learned that every single moment is uh, is precious and we need to cherish. And like photography has given us the the chance to to do so um, um and that's why i like it there are basically frozen memories that then we can take we, with ourselves mm, that's fantastic thanks for that how did you i guess learn photography and processing was it were you self-taught or did you have uh any mentors that you turned to for advice yeah camera settings um i i guess nowadays we all do the same is is youtube um oh. I was actually listening to to Rach's uh, podcast this morning um, because she was explaining her process. And to me, it's quite similar. When I have uh, any doubts, any questions, I just go into YouTube. Yep. Uh, it might take me like two or three attempts to get to the um, to the right info or to someone who explains the way I like it. Yeah. But everything's there, you know, like uh, we're so lucky, you know, like we have so much information just really handy to us. So if you if you want to learn something, if you have the will, you will definitely do it. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. yeah. Then when it comes to editing, um, 
I think like all the hours that you put on the editing that really helps. Uh, of course, I have people that I really look up to in, in the landscape or, or travel space, like George Hammond, uh, even Harry Pope. He also like, uh, yep. he works together with George. Uh, people that really like their size. And then eventually I I took stuff from like each of them and then I apply the, the things that I like, which are like really colors that they represent nature, like greens, blues, oranges. Those are things I want to play around. Uh, and also it evolves over time, you know, uh, I think as, as we change our style changes, uh, but I think the, the essence remains the same. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, it's, uh, that, that, that's, uh, really good in terms of, um, your process and your workflow, I guess, from, you know, the time you you know, you've done a bit of planning time you get on site. What is, what does that workflow look like? Are you, you know, scouting around and, you know, trying to work compositions or do you just plonk the tripod down and, or put the drone up and off you go and you, you work from there? Um, at this moment, it's trying to find locations that haven't been that discovered, at least in, in Victoria. Yep. Um, I've been lucky to travel a fair bit around the uh, the state, so uh, it gets harder and harder. But there are some hidden gems to to discover. Sure. Um, so I always have like a kind of like a a, a cheat sheet on on my Google Maps with some locations that I've been to or I, or I want to visit again, and then we got Google Earth to try to find different patterns or or textures and. That helps quite a lot to to the aerial photography, um, and I like when I get to travel with our creatives because we can just collaborate on site and and just play around with ideas that we get in mind and, and to see how how they look like. Okay, so what about processing when you uh, when when you've got the the shots in the bag and you're ready to go? Are you just taking bringing them home? It sounds. Sounds a bit like you'd leave them on your uh, hard disk for a while <laughs> from what you were saying. Uh, some of them, yeah. Um, I actually have plenty of them to to catch up for, for the past month. Um, but even but just by by watching at the camera on the day, I know which two, three or five, they really look like on point. Yep. And those are the ones I want to get back on straight away. Sure. Um I first do like a main filter in Lightroom. So I get them all in the software. The ones they are blurry or like maybe like overexposed or underexposed, I might get rid of them. And then I start to give them like five stars to the ones I really like. And I end up working in, in those ones. Um, as I said, when I have the time, if I if it's a weekend, I go onto, onto them straight away because I feel they're they're fresher and you can still remember how you felt at that moment or how, how it yeah. felt. Um, and then, yeah, I think it's important to, to give each picture its own time, um, playing with like um, selective filters, like gradients, uh, uh, play with the light that you have. Um, and yeah, I think when you actually put the hours on the picture, you, you can definitely tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. So sounds sounds like your editing workflow is fairly extensive, and I don't want to go into the secret sauce so much. But I mean, how how many hours would you spend on a on a shot that you're particularly keen on? I guess an hour could be. You know, I start playing with Lightroom. Uh, I do like a basic color grading. I try to play with some local adjustments, and then I go into Photoshop where I can fine tweak a bit more some colors and apply a bit more like advanced techniques. Yep. And then probably going back into that room. Um, I'll let it sit for, for a few hours, maybe for a day. And then the day after I go into it. And if I like it, that's a win. If I don't like it, it's ah, uh, well. <laughs> yeah, you know, like sometimes you need to take a break and, and yeah. get pressurized. Um, but yeah, you to, to be honest, I think that's one of the best things about photography is that, you know, if you don't want it, nobody sees you fails, you know? 
I know. Isn't it? <laughs> or if you post on Instagram, it's the same. You know, like no one's gonna watch it anyway. So that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> Definitely feeling that way at the moment. <laughs> we all are, Grand. We all are. Yeah. Mind, mind you, it feels that way uh, on on most of the socials. Funnily enough, the most engagement I'm getting at the moment is on Facebook. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious, but you know. Um, anyway, <laughs> it might it might become vintage, you know, like those things like after a few years they they come back on trend, you know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, to be honest, though, I'm I'm at the right at the moment. I'm posting uh, quite a bit of stuff, which is probably off brand for myself. You know, it's uh, it, it's more uh, a, a proper landscape, softer landscape shot than uh, you know what uh what people that follow me are used to with the uh the seascaping and so forth so you know it, i i could attribute it to that i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> speaking about that how do you how do you deal with disappointment and uh you know have you ever hit a creative wall and how did you handle it yeah probably try to do something else completely different to being on a screen or to even sometimes to be honest i could be frustrated with photography or like with like a a business outcome but like the first mm -hmm. thing that comes to my mind is to actually pick up a camera and to go and shoot just for fun yeah um, i'm lucky to live close to the cvd uh street photography was something that I, I really like it when i just started so doing that with my camera and just shooting for for fun at night on a on a wet cold night in melbourne mm -hmm. which is quite often <laughs> <laughs> you get plenty of opportunity i know is it <laughs> it's something that that brings me back to to the early days um it makes me feel so good um but at the same time I'm, I'm a big sports lover so anything that comes like shaking the body like playing tennis playing soccer sure. um that really gets the the creative juices flowing and i feel much more inspired to then go back onto the computer and then to tackle a project or edit a video or sometimes to to try a new a new vision yeah do you print much of your work i do yeah i i do have set up a, a print store mm -hmm. um so yeah i try to uh update it every i'll probably say like twice a year um yeah. i i always try to make sure like I got my best work out there um as my style changes also like over time i i always try to have something that really speaks for for my current work um, um and yeah i do love it um i think i got that from from my mind that she's um an interior designer um i do really like to um yeah have prints on the wall as you can see here yep um i think they're really yeah, the way we decorate our places uh, is really important. It speaks for for ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Any tips for are you printing yourself uh, or are you using a, a print service? Um, I used to at the beginning, but then it was a bit of a hassle to to do all the process. So at the moment, I'm working with a with a third party who they take over the printing and the shipping. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, every order that comes through my website. I just uh, send that to yeah to the printer. Um, they do all the shipping, the delivery. Um, yeah, right. To be honest, it makes makes it much easier and like the 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 quality is amazing. Um, and yeah, it's a win win. Yeah, no, that's great. Any tips for people that are looking to print their work and you know what the what they need to think about in terms of preparing the image and working with their uh, you know supplier. Yeah, from from the editing perspective, uh, making sure that you check the same image in in different places if you have the chance, uh, because sometimes like cell phones they don't display the same way as a laptop or as an external monitor. So try to make sure the colors they look as accurate as as you want it to to show. Um, something I learned a little bit later, especially with aerial photographer, because cameras they don't have the same resolutions to with drones. Um, there are some there are some plugins that you can use to kind of like expand the 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 size of the file so you get yep. more quality. Close the resolution, yeah. 
Yeah, um, and that has helped quite a lot to upscale the quality of my my drone images. Yeah, yeah. I've been using uh, Topaz AI and found that quite good for upscaling if uh, if I've needed it. Um, you know, occasionally you get a client that wants something super large and, you know, it means you've got to, <laughs> even with the, uh, I mean, I've, I've got a 26 megapixel camera, even with that, sometimes you've got to, got to increase from there. And uh, Yeah, wow, crazy. Yeah, it, uh, it, it does a really good job, I think, of, uh, of that scaling up because it, uh, of the way that it handles the, uh, the AI. Um, I guess talking about that, what do you see as one of the biggest challenges facing photographers right now? Well, that everyone is a photographer nowadays, you know, like yeah. cell phones have come here to um, make photography more accessible to everyone, which is amazing. I find that is great. But at the same time, it has damaged the industry a little bit because it has become normal that everyone with a phone or with just a basic camera uh, can do some photography. Then the quality of the work it varies. Some people they do amazing work with a with a cell phone. Even they you can do like films and, and movies nowadays with a phone. Mm -hmm. But those are people they already have an understanding of lighting, composition, and and settings. Um, they also working working for free is one of the main things we need to tackle on because I think it's great to to give value. I think we all should give value and Absolutely. Work to, to expand the portfolio, but we have to be really clever with who we're going to work for portfolio. Because um, usually the big companies, the ones that actually have the, the budget, are the ones that are trying to get the most free marketing out of it. Um, we all have like this part of our ego that we say, okay, like I want to say that I work with this company, but at some point, I think we're also damaging the industry a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. um, we need to make sure that if we're going to collaborate with another company or another business is because they're, we're giving something, but we're also getting something back because it has yep. to be a, a, a transaction. It could be like a, just a transaction in, in value. It doesn't have to be financial. Yeah, uh, definitely. Definitely. At this point, I, I much rather go and collaborate with a, with an independent artist, which could be like a dancer or singer, and go out and do something with them because I identify myself much more with them. There are people trying to make a living out of their art. Yeah. Whereas going and do some work for someone, which is, I know the only reason why they want it is because it's for free. Yeah. The only reason why they want something is for free. They don't find any value in that. Yeah. How do you how do you price your work? You know that that seems to be a, a struggle for all photographers is trying to work out. You know how do you how do you sort of set a value on on your work? And I know a, a lot of that is really dependent on whether or not you're talking about corporate work or you know small business work or individual work. And you know in terms of the client, um, but also the work and the effort that goes into it has to come into consideration as well because, you know, somebody says, oh, I want a, you know, a 30-minute video, for example, you know, that's, as you well know, that's going to take, you know, two or three hours of footage if, if, if not more. Yeah. <laughs> Plus then, you know, 20 or 30 hours of uh, editing to bring it down to that 15 and hone it into a, you know, a saleable product. Um, you know, and that's not something that you could you, you can just sort of give away. Um, I guess how do you, how do you go into pricing your work? Do you get that detailed, or do you just sort of you know make it up as you go along? No, I have always uh, a rough idea what what's the worth of my my work. Um, then I have a way to break it down for myself where actually I can put like in different um in different genres like how much I had to like devote on like paying for licenses to edit or like how much I had to like devote to taxis or or stuff like that that usually all together in an excel that comes up with a number that, which I know that makes me that allows me to operate with a profit uh, and not just covering the cost 
Um, then, of course, um, everything is flexible according to what's the project, according to how big is the client or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just to make it up as you go, it, it can work at the beginning. And I think we all try to wing it at the beginning. But then at some point, um, it is more beneficial for you and also makes you look a bit more professional. So I, I don't tend to like just tell the prices on a on a message or on a phone conversation. I rather send a proposal where I can actually break down the different ideas I have and what's the solution to their problem. Because I don't think I think like it's good to like when you work with businesses or to with other people like to try to unlock what's the issue that they want to resolve with the photography because yep. one of the things I, I see a lot in, in small businesses in Australia is like they they don't have a digital presence so like we, we can do the most beautiful video the most beautiful set of pictures but if no one watches it like what's the, yeah, what's the point, point you know yeah. um so I think it's really important to think about like creating the content or creating the art and then how, how you distribute it and that comes with marketing um so as photographers or creators we also need to start learning or we also need to be marketeers as well yeah absolutely yeah yeah um i I think that's one of the skills that uh a lot of people you know sort of struggle with when they're coming at it from a creative perspective you know they're they're good at creating the product but they're not necessarily great at uh getting the word out there and uh and letting people know about it and you know that that's always going to be a challenge um in terms of financially are you setting yourself a monthly or a quarterly budget that you want to try to meet or is it you just take business as it comes and you know hope hope that you've got enough left over to uh to to feed yourself and house yourself well i personally know exactly what do i need for a living um so i'm happy to have a few regular gigs that those are my bread and butter yeah Um, yeah. and then i'd like to to give myself like a chance to to work in projects that maybe like in the financial way they're no aspect but i know i like them or it's it's working with them I think it really adds to to the way I, I want to take my my career. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I think once you want to do this for a job, you need to be clever and you need to know how much you need to not only cover the cost, but also to have a, a profit at the end of the month. Yeah, that's it. Uh, if you haven't got any uh, spending money at the end, um, you know, yeah. It, yeah, okay, you might make your rent, you might make your uh, electricity payment, but, uh, you know, you're not going to go out and have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't pay the petrol, you know, it's getting Yeah, well, that's it. If you can't pay the petrol, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> but, but, yeah, that's another skill that comes with, with the time, you know, just uh, if you weren't that good in, like, managing your finances, well, that's something that <laughs> you also need to add to, to the toolbox. Uh, because it's going to be fundamental. Absolutely, absolutely. What's the best thing about being a photographer? Having a camera. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Probably having that inner child that comes to visit you every time you you have it, you know, and it makes you feel feel good, you know, like, whereas probably for, for a singer or for any other artist, it will be the same, you know, like I get a chance to, to express myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is so important. We live in a world that we have so many commitments and we have so many uh, things that we need to do or we need to perform. Um, having those times for yourself to really uh, express your feelings or to to reconnect with your inner child, that is, yeah, that is priceless. That is absolutely, absolutely priceless. Yeah. Speaking of the uh, the inner child, what advice would you give to your ten uh, year old self? Learn about marketing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was I would probably say like just be more confident in yourself or like just just do you. Mm. I was really shy when I was a kid, really really shy, really introvert, which I'm quite the opposite right now. Uh, I'm probably like everything is temporary. Yeah, like yeah, every big issue at the time like 
everything's gonna go uh it's gonna be like some good some bad times but like just you know keep going keep moving um and yeah life life is for living fantastic i love it <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't a photographer what would you be um football uh, soccer player for sure okay. Okay. Until the age of 16, I was convinced Grant I was going to be a football player. Play for Argentina, become the next Maradona? <laughs> uh, not the next Maradona. I was more like a midfielder. You know, I wasn't oh, okay. gifted. Um, <laughs> but I was good. I, I'm still good. Um, but yeah, probably until the age of 16, like my only thing on mine was to, to be a football player. Um, yeah. And I think the only reason that stopped me was like, I just, I think I, I got injured and then I started to like go out with my friends and, you know, like, you don't want to go and play football on Saturday morning anymore, and yep. <laughs> um, a, it's a huge sacrifice to to become a football player. Ah, oh, the commitment um, required is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Particularly, um, particularly if you want to get into professional uh, football, it's just uh, just incredible. Uh, a friend of mine, his uh, son uh, is, I think he's represented Australia in under twenty ones something like that and um you know just the amount of effort and work i mean he's he's now uh, uh, about 18 but i know you know from working with this guy you know just the the years of sacrifice and effort that they put in you know driving around the country you know taking him to football games and tournaments and whatever you know it was just uh, just incredible yeah um absolutely um and also you, the sacrifice of your family, you know, like taking you yeah. to like football matches in the morning, which they do it because they, they love you. Um, but, but yeah, um, I'll probably like every single kid in Argentina, if they like sports, they're going to tell you that I want to be a football player, you know, like first, because like everyone likes to play football and second is like one of the most profitable careers back home, Absolutely. I would say. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, well then, never happened. Maybe in another life, uh, I will become Maradona. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, are there any photographers out there that you think uh, I should be talking to on the podcast? Yeah, there is. Well, if you haven't spoken to to Mer Mer Watson, she's uh, on my list. I, I I tapped her again uh, the other day actually, and um, I haven't got a response back from her. So. Yeah. Just waiting. She probably to... will. She she's been really nice. Uh, yeah. She's been really nice to everyone. Um, Tom Tom Kwan. Yeah. Uh, I do like his work. He's really. Yeah. He's, he's he's incredible too. Yeah. His work is really fine and elegant. I think he's not even aware of how good he is. <laughs> uh, yeah, because every time I told him, like, man, such a clean edit, like, so it's like, what do you mean with clean? Like, can you make like, can you make it a naughty edit? Like, oh, yeah, I've seen some of those. Um, and he's a great guy as well. Um, I would probably say he's a good friend of mine, uh, Franco Torres. I can't okay. say his details. Um, he does really good photography as well. Yeah. Um, he's on Twitter, so I, I can send you his, his profile and then you have a Yeah, look. that'd be good. Um, um and yeah those three yeah uh, that's that's great thank you very much for that well as uh we're coming to the end of the uh the, the recording um i've got one more question which you probably know is coming um and for some it's the most important question do you like pineapple on pizza oh no grant <laughs> we should we should have started like that and I will probably stop the record. And, and, uh, <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm neutral. I, I, I'll eat it if I, it's there, but if it's you, not there, you I can't be know. neutral on that. You can't be neutral on no. that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do not like it. Um, we have great pigs in Argentina. Like we, yeah. we come from Italian, so we have like really, really great pizza. There's no way in a traditional pizza place in Buenos Aires. You'll get pineapple. Like I know that the best pizza places, you go, you ask for pineapple, they kick you out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Oh well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me, Santiago. It's been really great to get to know you and uh learn a bit more about how you do what you do. And uh I really appreciate the time that you've uh taken with me tonight. It's uh it's been great. No, thank you, man. It was a, a pleasure. Uh, I was a little bit tired when I came here. It was a huge day, but now I feel like 
much more energized. So Fantastic. awesome. I had a I had a great time. Good to hear. Where can people find your work? Um uh well on Twitter, um Instagram is GR Visuals and also in my own website, which is uh, sgrmedia.com.au. Okay. And it's all there. No worries. I'll include links on the uh, the show notes as well so everyone can uh, find your stuff. So thanks once again, man. Awesome. Pleasure. Um, have a good end of the week. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon. Mm -hmm.